The scripture this morning is all about Jesus and children. But as often happens in, in scripture is we get so familiar with some of these stories that we forget that there's deeper meaning. And there is significant deeper meaning on this scripture of Jesus saying, let the children come to me. And I'll get to that in just a minute, but let's hear this gospel. Today's reading is from Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. The people were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. But Jesus saw this, and he was indignant. And he said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. Holy wisdom, holy word. I remember four and a half years ago, my first Sunday at Aldersgate, I told a story, and it was kind of based in that scripture, and I want to go through that story again, at least a little bit of it, and it, it deals with that scripture, and friends, what we have to remember is children among crowds was not normal back then. The children that would have been in the crowd and the reason that they would have brought them to Jesus was not because they were their children or even their family members. The children that would have wandered through the crowd in that kind of situation were the poor, the orphans, those without homes and those without food. Jesus was known to not only heal but feed. And the story of this little girl I, I just love because you, you picture this, this crowd of thousands and like other children, she was small and couldn't see, and yet what she would do is she would try and wind her way through the crowd, hoping beyond hope that someone would drop a morsel of food, because only then could she eat. And so as she was working her way around and through the crowd and picking up the small crumbs or even a little piece of bread, she didn't notice that she was working her way up. Toward Jesus. And finally, she, she noticed that there was no one else in front of her and, and, and looked up surprised only to be scowled at by the biggest, monstrous guy who seemed to be surrounding Jesus, whose name was Peter. And he scowled at her. And then, in a very quiet voice, said, Go away. Jesus heard it. Jesus walked up and heard the little girl crying just behind where he stood. And he came over and he moved Peter to the side and he got down to the little girl and as he got and looked at her face to face and he said to her, Why, child, are you crying? I'm hungry. And he told me to go away. And Jesus wiped her tears and the smudges that came from the mud that was that time formed little blackness around her eyes and she looked so much like a raccoon. But then he did the most amazing thing. He picked her up 
and he held her in his arms. And he said to her again, Oh, so are you hungry? And she very quietly nodded, and he pointed to Philip over here and, and asked him to bring her bread and a little piece of fish, and suddenly she gobbled it down. She was so starving. And he looked at him again and, and did it again and brought more bread and a little more fish to her, and, and she took it and this time ate it more slowly. Then he began to rock her as he walked among them and then would stop and just rock her, holding her in his arms in the gentlest possible way, back and forth, back and forth. And as he rocked her, as little girls will do, she snuggled and placed her head right here against his shoulder, snuggled again, got comfortable, and fell asleep. And in a quiet voice that all could hear, Jesus said to the crowd, even looking at Peter, unless you come like this little child here, you will never, ever understand the kingdom of God. I was uncomfortable laying my hands down after that. So <laughs> That's that scripture. That's what Jesus is saying when he says, let the children come to me. No matter the child, no matter where they come from, no matter who or what or where, our role is to not only let the children come, but to feed them. To feed them whatever they need. To feed them the understanding that God loves them. To care for them and to surround them. You know, we... We are a church that believes so strongly in doing things beyond our doors, and we do it with excellence. It's one of the things for which I am most proud of this church. And what I've been hearing over the last four and a half years, and I understand it well before we got here, the, the, the phrase, we need to build bridges with the preschool. Well, we don't need to build bridges with the preschool. What we need to do is realize that there are two sets of stairs that go upstairs and downstairs. And there's a path that goes around and down. And a driveway that goes around. And that these two are united. They are not separate. There's not some chasm between us upstairs and the preschool downstairs. This preschool, Aldersgate Christian Preschool, is a ministry of this church. I, I remember going to a city council meeting. I've shared this with you before. <laughs> and talking about the safety of children, and particularly a sidewalk that needs to be built up on Newport Way. And it was so interesting, Claudia Balducci was mayor at that point, and, and you could see her begin to tear up as I talked about where I came from, and that I was a pastor, and she talked about the significance of the preschool in her life. And then three others, there, 
on the dais at the council talked about Aldersgate Christian Preschool. They didn't know anything about the church. Maybe what needs to happen is the preschool needs to build bridges with us. <laughs> this preschool is so respected, so admired, and, and there's a reason for that. And some of that reason attended a first service. And some of that reason is attending right here, right now, and just received flowers as a thank you. Friends, I, I've got to tell you, I believe that teachers at any age, but particularly this age, are called to this as much as I or Laura is called to ministry. Teaching is a calling. And this group has answered that call, and some of them for decades have answered that call. But what is being done downstairs is now being even more significantly translated upstairs as we brought Jen Herbert on. And I'm going to challenge us again. And I'm going to continue to challenge us over and over again. That some sitting in the congregation, first, second service doesn't matter, are being called to teach. We need more teachers in our Sunday school. It is growing and we need more folks. What's so interesting to me is, is uh, I know Jen had some conversations with two or three couples last week, none of whom ever saw themselves teaching Sunday school. But the fact that she approached them and asked them overwhelmed them, not because they were overwhelmed to teach, but because they were overwhelmed to be asked to care for these youngest. And they said yes. We're now in a transition in youth ministry, and many of you are aware of this that Nick is leaving. Next Sunday is his final Sunday, and uh, next Monday night we're going to celebrate his ministry. We'll celebrate some of that next Sunday as well. But Jen and I sat together last week, and you know what we found? I, I, I was blown away. We have 39 youth in this church. 39. On average, we have 8 to 10 to 12 attending youth group. I can't wait. And there's nothing against Nick at all. I can't wait to step into this more fully. And I promised Staff Parrish I was going to give some things up. And I have the list, Harris. <laughs> but I can't wait to step into this. And let's build a program for those 39 youth and their friends and others in this community. And I can't wait to get going. On this, and it's coming. I'm going to invite all 39 to dinner. And we'll cook them dinner and, and gather them, and then we're going to start getting to know each other. And we're going to do a lot of fun stuff and a lot of meaningful stuff. We're looking at mission trips. I still have this dream, friends, that with our youth group, we can do mission trips that every four years we'll do one local, one in the county, one in the country, and one in the world. That we will, so that every, every youth who comes into this program has a chance to do an international mission trip somewhere in the world. I will tell you again, my trip to Thailand changed my life two years ago. And it's time to spread that on. The other thing is, many of you are aware, is my background is in what places children and youth at risk. And in working with the top researchers in the world around those issues. 
What is amazing is, and, and this word is so bizarre to me, I, I argued against it, but what they found in their research that what will reduce risk in our children and in our youth is what they identify as, you ready? Religiosity. <laughs> I mean, there's so many other words that could be used, but it, it sounds research-ish. Religiosity, meaning that they realize, our children and youth, that there's something greater than themselves. That, in socialization, when children come into a relationship with an organization like a church, the socialization becomes so much greater because it's not just about a soccer team or a softball team or a lacrosse team or those kinds of teams. The socialization changes and expands because suddenly it's multi-relational, multi-dimensional, and multi-generational. And these relationships become strong and suddenly they have others in their lives with whom they are socializing. And by socializing, I mean learning. And that's the role that we have, isn't it? It's a responsibility that we have as a church. And finally, the single greatest contribution and opportunity we can give to our children and our youth is to let them see that they have the ability to make a significant difference in the life of another human being. That is the singular largest risk-reducing factor in the research. That they can make a significant difference in the life of another human being. Wow. And as you've heard me say, those of you that come to church here, it's what completes us as Christians as we answer that call to help someone else make a significant difference in the lives of others. This bag is filled with blankets and gloves and hats. 200 pounds went out and the children helped with that. Have them bring in soup, preschool parents, and we'll put it in the stack. But talk to them about what that means is that that soup is going to go feed someone who otherwise may not have a meal. I think of the backpacks that are handed out at Tai. I'm pointing at Linda because we coach there, I, I, and at Highland, my alma mater. I, I just think of what we do and how important it is to help understand, help our children and our youth understand they can make a difference. Sometimes, and I close with this. The difference can seem so small, and yet it can be life-changing. I asked Dorothy to write something <clears throat> about the preschool, and I wanted to share what she wrote. It is absolutely beautiful. She writes this, I'd like to give you an example of one of the many times I've witnessed the caring, loving atmosphere that exists at our preschool. At this time of year, many families are deciding to enroll their children in preschool for the first time. Do you remember how terrifying that was? Any of us who've had children that we needed to enroll? The kids, most of them walk in readily. I cried for days. <laughs> but they know if they get into Aldersgate Christian Preschool now, they're insured a spot for next year. She shares this. I gave a tour to a youngly a lovely family with two children. As we were observing one of the classrooms, I was fumbling over myself trying to pronounce their younger daughter's name. They were East Indian. 
Should have called you, Daniel, buddy. Oh, and then she, it's an unusual name with a difficult pronunciation. Then she puts in parentheses, Brad, I'm not going to put you on the spot by having you try to say her name. <laughs> I would have just taken it back to Daniel. <laughs> right, buddy? The little girl was slowly moving toward the area where the other children were playing, but being quite shy, she hung back. A little boy in the class saw her and without being prompted, came over, introduced himself, and asked her her name. Then he welcomed her into the class by saying hello, followed by her name, which he pronounced perfectly. <laughs> he took her by the hand and led her to the toy area. Dorothy says, I beamed with pride. We did that. Well, and then she underlines and said, you did that. So if you ever wonder why we have a preschool downstairs or what exactly goes on each day, I can tell you this. You are helping to raise a future generation of caring, loving, and confident people who will, welcome, who will welcome in those who feel insecure, hold their hand, and say their name perfectly. I thank God for you every day. Uh, and again, I'll close with this, but I, I was one of those children, <laughs> okay, I still am, who could not sit still. Do you know what my nickname was? Don't ever use this. Beyond Dumbo, don't ever, don't ever use that. Okay, buddy, that one either. But Bradley Wiggle, I couldn't sit still. And as you know, my dad was a pastor, so I'd sit in the congregation and I'd be shuffling and you know moving around and crinkling papers. And it was in a time where uh, anyone sitting around me, and particularly those who may have been a little older with um, bluer hair would, would scowl at me. And there was that Sunday where my dad, I just got out of hand, I guess, because in the middle of his sermon, he said, Bradley. <laughs> and had me sit in the front. I have never forgotten that. <laughs> Maybe you can tell. I had someone in first service come to me afterward and said, he was the same way and he got spanked after church every Sunday. Until one Sunday he fell asleep and was quiet the whole time. Now we grew up in that time. Why am I sharing that with you? Here's my prayer, friends. That we're not that church. You know, it's so interesting. We have this room back here. Uh, most churches call it the cry room. We call it the family room. And I, I want to, here's the church that I dream that we are, and I, I think we are. That, that when we have children who are rustling around or squirmy or those kinds of things, or sometimes we'll have a family sit up here with three children and one of them runs around and, and I finally had to stop him believing that the piano was like a, a gym. Um, but, but, but that we embrace them that we love them, and that we love having those voices, whether they're laughter or sometimes just expressing need, which sometimes comes out crying. That room, friends, is not for the children. That room is for parents who are uncomfortable with the noises their children make. And, and that's okay. 
I'm not saying that at all. And so if somebody gets up and walks in there with their children, please don't stare at them. <laughs> it's really uncomfortable for many of us because we were raised in a culture where you just didn't have children making noise, and particularly in church. We can't be that. This church is family. Period. Whether we're downstairs or upstairs or outside or inside, we are family. And Jesus said, by the way, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For if we don't understand that this is the approach that we need to take, childlike approach, we will never, ever understand what God is all about. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for every child. We thank you for those children who trust us and the parents who trust us with the care of their children, the most precious gift that you give to us. Again, I ask your blessing on the staff downstairs, on the board, on... Dorothy and Jill, as they seek to lead. I ask your blessing on us here in worship. Help us to remember that our most significant role is not just to transform or to make a significant difference in the lives of those outside. We are called to that. But of equal importance, maybe even of greater importance, is to make a significant difference in the lives of the children that you have gifted us with. So God, we ask your blessing on all of that. All in Christ's name. Amen.